0: Hello and welcome. My name is Kyle Nielsen, and this is How You Level Up, a podcast where I ask questions to help you become your best self. Today, we ask What is Confucianism? Confucianism is a philosophy and ethical system that has profoundly influenced Chinese, Korean, Japanese, and Vietnamese societies for over two millennia. It remains relevant in the modern world, and so to understand Confucianism, we will first step back into the shoes of its founder, Confucius, to grasp the principles he so eloquently propagated. Confucianism was born in the mind of one man, Kong Chu, more widely known by his Latinized name, Confucius. Born in 551 BCE, in the feudal state of Lu, which is now the current Shandong province, Confucius lived in a period of turmoil in ancient China, the spring and autumn period, which was characterized by power struggles among feudal lords. He believed that the golden age, a time when rulers governed through moral example and social harmony, was at the dawn of the Zhu dynasty, more than 500 years before his time. His philosophy emerged as an analysis of his obsession with the golden age of the Shu dynasty, and served as a solution to the chaos and moral degradation he believed was taking place in his time. Confucius himself never wrote down any of his teachings, much like Socrates, and it was his disciples who compiled his thoughts and ideas in a set of texts known as the Analects. It is worth noting that the Analects were not, in quotes, completed, until 300 years after Confucius died, similar to the teachings of Jesus. Through the Analects, we know that Confucius was at times complimentary, sympathetic, tolerant of mistakes, and humorous. We also know that he could be critical, sarcastic, and uncompromising. These Analects form the cornerstone of Confucian thought, guiding everything from personal virtue to government policy. Confucius believed that the future had to be ruled by sages, those who were venerated for experience, judgment, and wisdom. Like in Plato's Republic, Plato proposed the concept of a just society governed by philosopher kings. According to Plato, the rulers of nations should be ideally, individuals who possess a love for wisdom and possess extensive knowledge in understanding the forms. The forms were eternal and unchanging ideas or principles that were the foundation for the physical world. The sages are to Confucius as the philosopher kings are to Plato. In this way, with this leadership, social harmony would once again prevail. Confucius believed that the universe had two realms, the human realm and the natural realm. The human realm was ordered by ritual practices, which were created and nurtured by human decision. The natural realm was harmonic and rhythmically spontaneous. It was in perfect balance, always. Yes, there was a belief in spirits who controlled rivers and ancestors who assisted their descendants' lineage though there was no belief in God with a capital G, for the cosmos operated automatically since the beginning of time. Confucianism is not a religion in the strict sense. Rather, it is that ethical and philosophical system that deals with two concerns, what makes for a good man and what makes for a good government. To Confucius, these are inseparable. A government can be good only if the people who serve in it are good, and it is a government that leads its people by virtue and moral example. Here are some core concepts that form the essence of Confucianism. There are five relationships that must be revered. That of the father and son, ruler and subject, husband and wife, older brother and younger brother, and friend to friend. While the terms here are of the times the relationships are applicable in any day. Parent and child, government appointee and constituent, partner to partner, older sibling to younger sibling, and friend to friend. To understand these relationships and honor them is to bring harmony to the family, community, and empire. Another concept is that Confucian teachings oblige all followers, regardless of social, political, or economic status, to take Self cultivation as the genesis point in pursuit of the way or the Tao. Confucianism and Taoism differ in their meaning of the way, in that Taoists think of the way in a much grander scheme than just a socio political order that Confucius refers to it as. Confucius assumed the way needed to be restored and that it would take great effort of good and righteous people and with the aim of self-cultivation process to become a junzi. A junzi is literally a ruler's son, though Confucius appropriated the term to mean a person of moral nobility. Contrasted with a junzi is a xiao ren, or a small man. A xiao ren does not live by decorum and is morally small. Confucius distinguishes between the two by saying, the superior man, Junzi, understands righteousness. The small man, Xiao Ren, understands profit. The morally superior man is a man of Ren. Ren is the highest virtue in Confucian ideology. There is no direct translation and so it has been referred to as benevolence, humanity, humanness, and true goodness." Ren cannot be cultivated in isolation, as it only exists in relation between one person and another. Ren consists of two components, one of man and the other for two. It is because of this that Confucius argues that ren and morally superiority is closely associated with ritual propriety and empathy. Starting with Confucian empathy This is that true goodness lies in dealing with others as we ourselves wish to be treated. To put ourselves in another's place and reduce our own feelings in order to judge the feelings of others is empathetic behavior. From the Analects 4.15, the way of our master, Confucius, is being true to oneself and empathetic towards others. Nothing more. And ritual propriety. Yet another core concept that you'll notice will sort of continue weaving these concepts all together is known as Li. The superior man, Junzi, is guided and expresses empathetic concerns through Li. Rituals and appropriate performance of them is what humanizes or civilizes the human to a Junzi, distinguishing the superior man from the beast. When the sages set up rituals, they do so in order to teach others distinctions, and it is these distinctions that guide social harmony in the chaotic and complex world we inhabit. In a sense, Li can cover complex things like how to pay reverence to ancestors, how to bear ourselves publicly and privately, to simply mundane things like how to eat, how to speak, and how to greet others. And the final core concept of Confucianism is filial piety, known as xiao. It is a core concept in Confucianism and represents the virtue of respect, obedience, and care for one's parents and ancestors. Your family clothes and shelters you. They are a microcosm of society, and so obedience and respect for authority, deference to seniority, an affection toward the young is necessary for the Junzi. It is a hierarchical world, and enmeshed in it, a good person is one who carries out their duties associated with their position in life. Only then can harmony of the whole result from each person fulfilling their duties. The principle of Xiao extends from one person's parents to ancestors beyond death and by extension to one's country and rulers. Of course, because the sages are those in government, a good ruler must model the morality they would like their subjects to cultivate. A ruler is also a Junzi, and can bring Confucian harmony only if they are without selfish desire. Confucius suggested that culture and tradition are far more effective and stronger tools when attempting to shape behavior and ideals of people, as compared to legal and penal codes. From the Analects 2.3, guide them by edicts, keep them in line with punishments, and the common people will stay out of trouble, but they will have no sense of shame. Guide them by virtue, keep them in line with ritual, and they will, besides having a sense of shame, reform themselves. We've talked about shame before, so it's interesting that Confucian ideology would weight shame as necessary, while also teaching a focused empathy which just so happens to be the antidote to shame. Confucianism has had a profound impact on East Asian societies. For centuries, it has been a guiding philosophy in education, governance, and social relations. It greatly influenced the development of the civil service and legal systems, and emphasizes merit over aristocratic background. The ideology of Confucianism played a key role in shaping the traditional Chinese family structure and hierarchy. Its concepts, as mentioned in the beginning, are also noticeable in Korea, Japan, and Vietnamese cultures, where respect for elders and authority is heavily ingrained. Confucian ideology has also faced criticism, particularly for its perceived rigidity and its role in reinforcing patriarchal and hierarchical structures. Modern interpretation of Confucianism, therefore, strives to reconcile these traditional values with contemporary norms, suggesting that Confucianism can evolve with time. Understanding Confucianism is not merely about exploring an ancient philosophy, it is about acknowledging an enduring relevance and potential to guide ethical conduct and societal harmony, even in the face of ever-evolving societal norms. To reverse the deterioration of his day, Confucius encouraged people to learn and to be genuinely respectful in dealing with others, slow in speech and quick to action, trustworthy and true to word, openly but gently critical of friends, free of resentment when poor, free of arrogance when rich, and faithful to traditions and practices above all else. It could be argued that Any of the moral degradation we are experiencing today may benefit from a healthy dose of these same principles. So, of the little we've covered today, what aspects of Confucianism have resonated with you? What do you think is the way for a righteous person to act, to live, and to be alive with others? Thank you for listening to another episode how you level up.